Welcome to No Shame in the Home Game, the podcast that cares about how your home feels, not how it looks. I'm Lacey. You're going to be hearing from me a lot in this episode. And my co-host, Sarah. Lacey, it's so good to see you. It's good to see you too. Today is a it is an interesting episode because it is the first episode where we meet my husband, Joe, who is our third participant. And for the listeners, I am a huge Joe fan from <laughs> the middle. I have a hashtag, we want more Joe. It was, I got to say, I had to wear a lot of hats in this episode. I had my fangirl hat on because I got to meet Joe for the first time. <laughs> and then watching Joe and Lacey interact is honestly a reality show in and of itself. So I had just like the observer hat on. <laughs> and then I kept trying to switch on to my like why I'm here. <laughs> Talking about home stuff, I had to keep switching my hats and I would catch myself just watching instead of being a part of it. <laughs> I was talking to my mom the other day, explaining that Joe's doing this. Weekend. And and let's be honest, yes, Joe is our participant, but it's me. I am the participant too. This way, it's not just my thoughts and we have another person. But it's also good because you're getting a couple's perspective. That's not something we've had and with our other participants, we're only talking to one part of the couple. So with this, it does add like this layer. And I said something to my mom and my mom was like, yeah, your and Joe's relationship is unique. And she she meant it in a good way. I do like to joke with her that when she think, doesn't like something, she doesn't want to say anything bad. So she uses words like unique or interesting. But I do. It is funny having to edit my own episode with my own husband to like go back and listen. I'm like, oh, man, okay. <laughs> this is unique. But I do think that couples will very much see themselves in some of these different things of like, yeah, that's kind of how it works here too. And it's, it is a great perspective because managing a home can look like a variety of things. Mm -hmm. You can be all by yourself. You can be with others. It can be a single parent. It can be two parents. Like you can have a part-time kid. You can have an older relative in the house. And who is doing the majority of the management can vary wildly. And as we learn in your episode, I, it shifted a lot from what it looked like a year ago to now. And so there are just, there's no one way that this looks like. And so I like that we brought in a different perspective. Yeah. The other thing that I really like about Home CEO in this idea is that it is helping you build a system. It is not a system given to you. And that was something that I know I've tried some other things in the past and it hasn't gone great because it hasn't really worked for me and Joe because Joe, even before I got sick, was very involved in our home management, always trying his best and trying to figure out like where he can fit in because as Sarah well knows, if I see something, I do it. I don't, or unless it's physical because then I can't do it, but I'm a doer. And so sometimes that's a big part of our give and take. And I think you'll hear that in today's episode. Let's jump right in and you all can meet Joe. Today, we have a very special participant who is joining us. We're doing the first episode with my husband, Joe. Hello. I'm over here fangirling because I listened to the middle <laughs> and, and I started hashtag more Joe in the middle. <laughs> Listening to uh, episodes of you two always brightens my day in the best possible way. <laughs> I think that we have fun chemistry, but Joe yes. does not believe me. I didn't say that. Okay. All right. 
Just the contrarian well, in our relationship, as you can tell. I was going to say, it's actually better if he doesn't believe in the magic because <laughs> that's what makes it more magical. He the doesn't. Second he I can believe in it. It would pull. <laughs> Even if I did, I, I have to disagree because that's how podcasts work, <laughs> right? There's always got to be a dissenting yes. voice. As far as Joe being our participant, it is our household. So Lacey and Joe's household. But we brought Joe in so that one, it's not just me talking all the time. But two, we have a lot of unique circumstances in our house recently with my illness and Joe have picked up a lot of the weight. And so this kind of shift over the past six months has been a lot for us and we are still trying to figure it out. Yeah, that is all correct. Yeah. So we need some help. I want to start off by right-sizing expectations. When you said we're still figuring it out, I'm like, Oh, yeah, you'll still be figuring it out every day for the rest of your lives. There's no, there is actually no like end mark, especially when you have little ones in the house, because Mm -hmm. every time you think you have a good system going, they change their sleeping cycles, what they want to eat, right? Something will change. But yeah, if we could find at least a basic scaffolding to support your new situation to move forward. So you're not reinventing the wheel every single day. It sounds like that would be helpful to. Yes. First, I just want to say thank you for being so willing to share what's your journey and what's going on inside your house. Everybody always wants to know what's happening behind the doors of everyone else's house. I appreciate you being willing to share what's going on. In order to ground this, we ask all of our participants, and I've already asked Lacey these questions in our intro episode. Joe, I would love to know, do you have any rules from your childhood home that are memorable, i.e. funny or quirky or unusual? Something that stands out. Any rules? Rules are Joe is well acquainted with the deviled egg story. Oh, yes. (laughs) So like ways that your house ran that you thought were universal that weren't that kind of thing. Not much, really. I guess there's one that kind of came up in the beginning of us living together, which was at my house. Certain things were stored under the kitchen sink and that because everyone's got that space under their sink where they store stuff. And it's um, a tall space. It's it's a decently tall space. It depends on the house, obviously. But we always stored, among other things, of course, the vegetable oil was just always under the sink. And so that's where I just always put it. And when I've been over to other people's houses who are friends of mine, it's there as well. And so I assumed that this was a widespread thing. And Lace pointed out to me that it is not. It's not. I've never seen vegetable oil under a sink I have. anywhere else. I think it also has to do with the space that yeah. your house has. And my parents did not have a pantry mm-hmm. that's on that the same floor as the kitchen. They had something in the basement. Yeah. And so it was just easier to put it there than anywhere else. But it's one of those things where either you do it for ease and convenience, but then you come to believe, oh, this is just where it goes. This is how it is supposed to be. When in reality, it was more of, like I said, something for the ease of use as opposed to having to run down to the basement every time you need to use the vegetable oil. I, Like I said, I was like, I have literally never seen the vegetable oil underneath the sink. I love that because these are the unspoken rules that you carry over when you leave your home of origin, when you start living with roommates, when you get married, right? These are these unspoken rules that sometimes cause tension because it's this assumption of, 
no, that's where you keep it. But I'm instantly picturing everyone in Joe's neighborhood growing up having the same cabinet installation and cabinet maker. <laughs> I mean, his parents have a beautiful 1920s Tudor. And there are a lot of older homes in the city of Cincinnati, which is where our, our, our house is older. Yeah, our house is older. Even older than theirs. When you think about it, I'm like, okay, maybe it does make sense that he would see this beyond his household if his friends also lived in older houses, whereas I grew up in newer houses most of my life. So you come from the tall cabinet people. It's like your clan. <laughs> like Joe comes from small cabinet people. That's why I think everybody's so tall. Cabinets are tall. People are tall. So are there any, Joe, are there any non-negotiables in your home that are important to you? Are there things like you'll let go of 10 different things, but there's one thing at the end of the day that you will fight for? I, I would say probably cleaning the kitchen every night. I basically clean the kitchen every single night, do the dishes, try to clean off as much stuff off the counter as I can, make sure everything's basically washed and cleaned because as soon as you let that build up, it becomes a task that you're never going to want to tackle. And if you do it every night, it just stays easy. So there have been maybe a few rare nights where I don't touch it at all. But usually that's when it's like there's almost nothing that needs to be done. And I'm like, you know what? It's just a few plates to put away or something like that. I'll do it. You weren't always like night. that, though. You started having kids. You really. Yeah, that. that's true. But you have to oh, have absolutely. kids. So. I want to move on, Joe. Do you have a favorite home task or a least favorite home task? Favorite. I guess. I, I mean, I, I would say in terms of what I mind the least, I wouldn't say favorite because I don't necessarily love doing like house stuff, but I don't mind the dishes at all. But again, I, I do them every single night. So I think at a certain point, you just it becomes almost like mechanical or rote and I don't really think about it. Probably dishes where I'm just like, just do it get it done. I know this doesn't really count, but I do love grocery shopping. And that does count. Oh, okay. It does count. Okay. Absolutely. Yeah. I love, love grocery the... shopping. I enjoy it, but I also Ooh. take a really long time to do it. So I'm not necessarily the best person for it. If you're trying to get done in a hurry, unless I'm going to Aldi, which is usually a pretty quick trip because it's not like a gigantic story you have to deal with. Plus, but you still Aldi it up. I still Aldi it up. But, which yeah. is like going down list. It's it's going off list. It's you get what's on the list, and then you get some extra stuff. Yeah. So, do you make the grocery list, or do you and Lacey make it together? Who makes that? I probably. Well, I would say I do most of the grocery stuff, but we both contribute to the list sometimes. Yeah. So we have a system that I think works out really well. Is we have a a list app that we share on the phone that we both have access to. And we've set it up so that our Amazon ALXEA, I don't want her to interrupt us, you can shout to her, hey, add this to the grocery list. And it'll add it automatically to that list. Highly recommend. It works yeah. really well for us. So like when you use the last of something, you can just shout, hey, add this to the grocery list. And you don't have to keep that in your mind anymore. Then when you're putting the, because we've basically just been doing click list lately because. Grocery pickup. Yeah. Sorry. Kro the Kroger pickup, basically, because they do it for free for yeah. right now. Still. And it's fast. And it's very fast. It's tough with two kids to be able to go to the grocery store by myself to get everything that we need. Mm -hmm. And so I find it easier to just do a pickup order that I can either pick up on the way home from getting the kids or maybe leave work a little early pick up the groceries, bring them home, put them away, and then go pick up the kids. So it's just a lot more convenient and fast that way. Plus, you can look through the list that you're putting together and decide exactly how much you want to spend, what you're willing to get. Whereas in the store, you're like just throwing stuff in the cart. You don't really think about the total, but 
when you're doing it in the app, you can watch it go up. And so you can really look at your costs of stuff. Joe is much better at being money conscious than I am too, for sure. Yeah. And I do, I would say through the grocery list, I do most of the meal planning. Yeah. I ask Lace for contributions, like what kind of food she would want for the week. But if she's not feeling like contributing, I still put together all of the meals and stuff. I will say this has been a big win for us in the past few months that we have gotten considerably better at. And mostly Joe. So I want to give him as many props as possible. Because with me losing my job, we have a lot less money. Going out is not really the option that it always was. Growing up, my mom stopped cooking when I was like 13. And she was done. She was like, I fed all of you guys for so long. And it was just me, my mom and dad. And so going out to eat and picking up dinner was always an option. And it was always what we did most of the time. So for me, it's like, yeah, you just go get something. Whereas Joe's like, no, you don't just go get something. So that has been a lot of retraining for me that we held on to a lot. But then when money became much tighter, Joe was like, no, we're going to get better about this. And he really has made us a lot better about it. And as I'm starting to get more of my energy back, I have been able to do more cooking and stuff too as well. We're hitting a pretty good stride there. I think that we're doing a good job. Doing pretty good. We still splurge every once in a while on the groceries, but if you eat hot dogs and mac and cheese for a couple nights a week, you can really save a lot of money. There's, There's a lot of meals you can make out there that are a lot cheaper than eating out. And we used to do one of those meal services where they would drop off the ingredients and stuff and that was nice because it got us to kind of branch out and learn how to cook and yeah. stuff. But as soon as we couldn't afford it, we had to drop it. Yeah, it definitely. Because it's not cheap. It definitely gave us the confidence and skills to just be like, yeah, I can cook that. Yeah, I can cook that. Yeah. So now we can look up almost any recipe. And even if it's got like a decently high level of technique required, we're like, yeah, we can do that. We'll figure it out. Yep. That is, that's a lot of great info for me. I love how you two problem solve that together. And because I'm already hearing that you two are are figuring out where to meet in the middle, how to adapt to your new situation, using tools like, I can't say the name, but the AI that lives (laughs) in your house with you. I, so that's me. I get super jazzed about home automation and I'm the one who like programmed our house to be home automated. (laughs) Most of the lights in our house are on and off through that. I can lock the door through that and all these different things. It has helped our kids be more independent because my son can tell her to turn off lights and turn on lights. So anywhere technology can help, I am in and I will figure out how to make it happen. It's true. And I get real jazzed about it. As you already know, Sarah, that's a zone of excitement for me. I love that. That's really good to know when looking into solutions. Yeah. If something can be 3% easier with technology, I'm going to make it happen. I like that. And Joe's going to roll. 3%. Yeah. <laughs> Joe's going to roll his eyes, but I'm going to do it. And then at some point, he's going to be like, all right, yeah, that is nice. So. I didn't actually roll my eyes, but I wanted to. <laughs> I feel like wanted 2%. That's just too little. 3%. Yeah. Okay. 3% over time. Yeah. Okay. I'd much rather just save the money and do the task myself. But we don't have the energy in our house. Does not. The conveniences that you have come up with have saved us a lot of time and stress in a lot of different ways. So it has been very helpful. Thank you. Oh, wait, that that was was recorded. That was was recorded. So people are going to know I said that out loud. I know. Oh, no. Take it back. I was going to say, that was a beautiful moment. I I feel like we've peaked, actually. We haven't even gotten to the the juicy stuff. Yep, we're done. Everyone go home. It's done. (laughs) Problem solved. Sarah and I are hard at work 
in creating the Home CEO course. If you are interested in the Home CEO course and potentially being one of our founding members, you can go to noshameinthehomegame.com home CEO and sign up for the waitlist to be notified as soon as it goes on sale. That's no shame in the home game.com backslash home CEO. You're a business owner who cares more about people than profits. Although you still want to make some money, of course. And that can feel mighty lonely. That's why I created Feminist Founders, a podcast that explores how to build a more equitable world through entrepreneurship. I'm Becky Mollenkamp, a coach and journalist, and I'm excited to bring you stories of people who, like you and me, are trying to change the business landscape for good. Check out Feminist Founders wherever you listen to podcasts. I told Sarah we were going to talk a lot about dishes. I didn't know you were so cool with dishes. I thought dishes were going to be a point of contention. I don't love doing the dishes. Like I said, I love grocery shopping. I don't love doing the dishes, but I don't mind the dishes in that I do them every night. So at a certain point, you just get so used to it that you you just it has to be done. I am curious, though, and I know this is Sarah's next question, so I'm just going to go there. What is a task that you hate doing, like a least favorite house task? Picking up kid toys because yeah. I do it and then I come back down the next day and they're immediately all over the entire house. So, yeah, probably the kids toys. That is uh, one of our big sticking points for sure, because it's hard for me. That takes a lot of energy. I did get myself a grabber. I have tried doing it and I've tried getting the kids involved, but there is no system that has worked yet. Yeah, I, I will say the with our kids, they do great when there is structure and routine to something. And so bedtime for us is fantastically easy. Yeah, We do the exact same thing every single night and they comply our son when it is time for him to lay down by himself and be alone. He just says, good night. And then we leave him in his room and he doesn't get out of bed. He doesn't scream. He doesn't cry. There's no fighting it or staying awake super late. He just lays in bed and then goes to sleep. And it's we do the exact same routine every single night. We do the same routine in the mornings. And the yeah. mornings go mostly super smooth. There's the occasional hiccup, but yeah. nothing that's actually all that bad. Kid toys are an area where we never set up a routine to begin with. We never said every single night you're going to put your toys away or every Saturday we clean all of the toys or we never really set up a routine. And what it became was mostly just me cleaning up the room when it finally reached a point where I was like frustrated and just decided I'm going to clean up the room. So it would be a night where, for example, my ADHD didn't prevent me from cleaning up toys. And I was like, I'm going to go and clean up all the toys. And then I would clean and vacuum and make sure everything's like good to go. And the next day I would just be right back to where it was before. That's certainly a pain point in the house. I, I loved hearing everything you had to say. I already started problem solving in my mind. So I want to come back to that. But before we get to that, a couple more basic questions. Joe, what do you feel is one of the desired home feelings. When you come home, what is your what do you want to feel ideally in your space? Think relaxed, not stressed. I know those are similar but not the same thing. And the the more I think about it, as long as I can feel relaxed and not stressed, then I think I can feel the joy that I want to feel with our kids. I work decently far away from the home, and so I have a pretty long drive. And then by the time I drive from work to daycare, 
pick the kids up and get them home. It's been about an hour of me being in the car. And by the time that we get home, a lot of times I just want to go and be by myself and de-stress and be alone, but I don't really have that option a lot of evenings. And so I find that sometimes trying not to get like short with the kids because I haven't had a chance to de-stress, but I've already got to start making dinner because it's late. And if we don't start right away, then we'll eat too late and then everything else snowballs from there. So I find myself trying not to bring that with me and trying to leave that at the door so that I can be present and happy to see them because it's not their fault that I have to drive for an hour before I get to be at the house. And they deserve me being happy and relaxed and ready to play with them and give them attention. Our kids are very joyful. Yeah. If I had a word to describe our children, it is joyful. And so it is very easy to want to be joyful with them. That's wonderful. The best. I love that because awesome. that... That just that gives the parameters and the reason we're doing it, why you're why we're doing this process together and what the goal is. So mm -hmm. that's great that you have a lot of clarity. And so I have and the listeners have a general sense of your space that you're living in. If you could just tell briefly the size of your house, just number of floors, rooms. Are you maintaining a lot of yard? Do you have animals? Just the basics. We have one dog, Indy. He's a old man and the best dog in the entire world. He is an 85 pound, probably more than that now. Looks like a black lab, but he's got longer fur than that. Uh, a black lab and Pyrenees, great Pyrenees. He is yeah. currently <laughs> sleeping and, and I think he's dreaming right now. He's real, real easy. You just open the back door. He goes to the bathroom. He'll let you know when he wants to come back. And he is, we've uh, even taught Isaac, our four-year-old, how to feed him, which has been real clutch lately yeah that's been real nice <laughs> we also have a, a fenced in backyard mm -hmm. and a, a front yard that's not fenced in what do you what, what's the size of the property like half an acre i think we've got a little bit of land it's very we live in a neighborhood of the city so it's like a urban suburban type area our house is three bedrooms one bath one one oh, we have a toilet in the we, basement. Have a, we have a half bath in the basement <laughs> we have a toilet down there but it does have walls it does have walls it doesn't have a ceiling it doesn't have walls. ceiling but it has walls we actually have a really large basement we're talking 15 foot ceilings yeah. in our basement it's a very kind of weird bizarre thing but it is just junk and that's where the laundry is first floor is living room there is a little area that we've designated the playroom it's like a little room off the living room it's not really much of a room though yeah it's its own thing it's maybe five six feet wide and then maybe 12 yeah 13 feet long but it's open into the living room so it's just separated a little bit yeah dining room kitchen yeah i think square footage wise we're at like once or 1700 square feet around there yeah. yeah not including the basement the basement correct but the basement is just where laundry is so many steps to go down there i was yes and so you come upstairs and that's where the three bedrooms and the one bathroom <laughs> is up on the okay yeah that's a lot of walking for you up and it down. is it is that's why with laundry i can't do the laundry i can't physically do it because the taking it up and down the stairs all the way down to the basement is it's a significant haul to get it down all the way downstairs and then all the, the way, way back, back up yeah that is because stairs are already hard for me so i don't mind i don't mind taking it down and washing yeah i really don't so what usually happens is joe does the taking down and the washing and then the coming back up and then i try to fold and put away as much as i can and then that's our system there yeah 
I, I and I think the other thing, and, and listeners probably still don't know this, but if this is the only thing they listen to, I have a lot of health issues that affect my energy and my input into our household, and it is not predictable. And I think that is often one of the hardest things. Oh, absolutely. With it is that some days I can do everything, and some days I can do nothing, and that makes it very hard for both of us in yeah. a lot of ways. So, like I, I would say I used to be the default, just barely. Mostly because I didn't have the drive and that kind of stuff. But now Joe has 100% become the default in our household for pretty much everything. I will say, even before, we still had tasks that were split. It was never to say that you were the default. That's why I say just by a little bit. Yeah, it was the default for certain things. But we still did a pretty decent job of splitting almost everything. Yeah, we like to have a very egalitarian household. It's important to us. Your kids are four and two. And what is their participation? I know I've heard you mention they're really good about, about putting their socks in the laundry basket on the first floor. Do they have <laughs> any do other Do they have any other areas that they contribute to or they're asked to contribute? You mentioned feeding the dog. Is Isaac has thing? recently started feeding the dog. And letting him out after. And letting him out after. That's very nice because the first person to wake up every morning is almost always Indy. Yeah. And he is very, when you're 85, 90 pounds and you (laughs) try to fit that bulk onto someone else's face, it comes across as decently demanding. So I would say Indy is somewhat demanding in the mornings about when he wants to eat. And it's usually starts at about 630. Sometimes he sleeps in a little later, but it is also a hard thing because I used to be the morning person. That I would get up. I'm feeding Indy in the morning wasn't a big deal for me. Yeah. I would get up. So, I would feed him. Yeah, you That's, were up long before six thirty. Yeah. I usually would get up like around six, or I, Indy would wake me up at six thirty, and I could get up and go and and do all that stuff. With my illness, mornings have actually become very hard for me because my body physically cannot get up. A lot of mornings, it like it has to. It's almost like it's been frozen and has to thaw. And then again, you have to remember that I have to go downstairs to feed him, to let him out, to then come back upstairs. There's just a lot of little things that make it not worth me expending my one not able to because I'm still trying to move. But then even if I do get up, it's okay. Do I give my energy here or do I get the kids dressed? There's a, a whole thing about it. So that that has become a bit of a struggle in that Joe is not a morning person. I wish I could be a morning person again. Yeah, I am not a morning person. Still not a morning person, <laughs> even though I've been doing it for months now yeah yeah there'll be good days where lace can help out and get the kids dressed and sometimes help get them out into the car at least get them out the front door and then there'll be other days where i have to do all of it myself i can't i physically cannot i i can't even say bye to them it's a hard one it's those are tough days but they still try to come and say bye to you before they leave in terms of the kids helping out, Isaac, who is four, is obviously the better helper. He does a really good job with his laundry, putting the dirty stuff away, making sure it goes into his hamper. He's very good about the things that we've enforced. So when he's on the first floor, we have a little laundry collection point where if he's got dirty laundry, he's good at putting it in there. He's done a great job of going potty by himself and handling that all on his own. Still needs an adult to wipe his butt, but I wish I had someone to do that for me, right? He also poops more than anybody else I've ever met. So He does. That's yeah. <laughs> a lot. Our kids are very hydrated yeah. and they have no problem with their digestion. So yeah, good problems to have. What else is he good at? He is a good. Usually if you give him specific instructions of, can you do this for me, please? I would say about. 
90% of the time, he's gotten, he's good about like doing it. So yeah, it depends on his mood. Yeah. But hey, can you put this over here for me? Can you go get this? Can you go let Indian? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've been having him help me with laundry and dishes, but not enough that it's any kind of routine. And he certainly can't do it on his own. Um, Almost that's a little extra work, but. Yeah, it's it's probably a little extra work to have him help me, uh, which is part of the reason that I've avoided it for so long. Yeah. Um, but I'm realizing now, obviously, that I let it, let it go too long and I should have had him help me sooner so that we can get in the habit. Because so, he's more than intelligent enough yeah. to take care of these tasks, but he hasn't been doing them to the same degree that we've been doing a lot of the other routines that we have. And, you know, he can't do it without my assistance. So, yes, it is more for me to have him help me. Like when we do laundry, I basically we're doing it one piece at a time and it's a very slow process. But he really enjoys. He does like having a job and a task. He is he's pretty good about that stuff. And he likes the feeling of the job done afterwards. And and Iris is too. She just turned two last month. She, she know there are certain things that she knows. So the same, she learned from Isaac, the laundry basket thing. She knows that her socks go yeah. there. She's, uh, I think she's more rigid in following rules, even though she's only two and can get really sassy about stuff. I see her as more strict because she'll see Isaac doing something that she believes he's not allowed to do. And she will try to enforce that he is not allowed to do that. No, as in no, as in no. Yeah, she's almost the little police officer of the house sometimes. I don't know if I'm looking forward <laughs> to her policing the house more or not as she gets older. It could be enjoyable, but it could also be terrible. So we'll see how that goes. She also is the same way, too, that if you give her a task and she completes it, she is very yeah. excited and proud and happy to share that with you. We need to get both of them in the routine of doing stuff around the house like the toys for example but branching out so it's more than just that because first of all they enjoy being involved they do and the more we can teach them now the better it will be later when they're old enough to actually do it on their own i keep track of so many different things whether it's from the middle no shame in the home game all of the different business ventures that are part of those things and i also keep track of a lot of things in our household from things that we need to repair and do and flows all of that stuff and the thing that i use to do all of that is notion notion is this amazing blank slate where you build your own app and database depending on what you need they have some amazing templates to help you get started. But once you get in there and start using it, you see how things work and come together. And it is magic and easy and beautiful. It's like a to-do list meets a database with workflows. And then you can even get AI right into Notion to help you come up with words when words are hard, because let's be honest, they are. We have a link for Notion to help you potentially. If you go to noshameinthehomegame.com backslash N-O-T-I-O-N, you can get a link into Notion and potentially sign up for a plan. They do have free plans and paid plans. If anything, go get a free plan because it is so cool and you'll fall in love like me and become a notion advocate 
Lacey really thought this was going to be about the dishes. I really thought the dishes were going to come up. Well, let me just say, it's not necessarily that I thought. The dishes are usually very emblematic of a thing that feel that is a weight on Joe that he sees that he has to do every day without any help. And there are a lot of those things that pop up, but the dishes, I think, are the most consistent. Oh, I have to do that. Oh, I have to do that. Oh, I have to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's not something that I'm great at helping with because there's a lot of bending over and reaching up and these, again, things that are hard for me with what's going on with me. I will say you're not wrong. It used to be more of a pain point. I realized very recently that I have spent a lot of time, like most of my entire life, being busy and I don't know how to not be busy. And so when I'm not busy, like I don't have an immediate impending thing of, oh, I got to try and get a new job or I've got this paper coming up or I have this big task that just needs to be done. And so that's how I always moved through life was one big thing that was impending and putting a lot of pressure on me, whether it was self-induced or not, was moving from thing to thing. And I realized that I just don't know how to be not busy. And and so I've been very recently trying to work on being more relaxed and not needing that pressure to force me to do stuff. Because with ADHD, a lot of the times, the only way to motivate myself is with pressure. And so I've been trying to find alternate sources for motivation. And part of that has been me trying to be more relaxed and putting less pressure on myself about stuff. And so the dishes, I don't see as like this task that I have to get done that's driving me to get them to get to that point every single night where, oh my God, I have to do this. I have to do the dishes. It's this pressure. And now I see it as more of a, well, can do the dishes. I just don't. Trying not to stress about it. I'm trying to basically be, I guess some people would say probably more present, but that's not how I think of it. I just see it as putting less pressure on myself so that I can be essentially happier instead of moving from important thing to important thing. That makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. I'm really proud of you. That's really great. That that felt very profound. And I was mm-hmm. I'm glad that you shared that with the listeners. I was It was interesting how you put a question mark on the end of happier. I'm trying to be happy. You're not quite sure what that feeling is when you're not stressed. What is that feeling when I'm not running around? (laughs) Yeah, because I I still don't know. I've always been a proponent for people having hobbies and trying to have things that are your own and not reliant upon your partner or your kids to derive some sort of meaning in your life. Not to say that you shouldn't get meaning from those relationships because you absolutely should, but you shouldn't require those relationships in order to have any form of meaning. And yet somehow I've fallen into that exact same thing by basically deriving most of my meaning from what is the new impending thing? What is that pressure that I always forced on myself so that I would get things done? And I've lost track of a bunch of, I still have a few hobbies, but not to the extent that I I want to. So that's the thing that I'm trying to move more into is following the thing that I'm reaching for other people, trying to listen to it myself. And him having space for those hobbies is very important to me. It's That's the tough thing now, though, is I don't quite have the time and space for it like I did before. So I am regretting... Letting it, letting those things drop in the past because now it's, I don't really have much time for it, but I can probably still make more space for it and working on that. From everything you shared, what I heard as a real stress point is once you've driven home, gotten the kids, 
gotten home and then I heard you want to be able to relax, but you go right into making dinner and then it's feeding dinner, then cleaning up from dinner. And then there's the toys on the floor. And that sounds like the real pressure cooker time space time. Is that someplace that you would want us to focus solutions on right now? Or is there something in the flow of the week that feels more draining to you? That Well, aside from mornings, which I don't think we're going to be able to fix right now, just because I have to be on. Although I will say there are some mornings where Lace is up and is able to get them dressed. I'm and having more good mornings, which yeah, is so, really good. So that has got that has improved. So I think that's something we can probably leave alone for now because that's dependent upon really the variability of how you're feeling yeah. every day and how your energy levels are. And it's been great to to have just a break and not have to do every single morning. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I, I would say the biggest stress area is the drive home from work, pick up the kids, bring them home, get them in the house, get dinner started, get everybody fed. By that time, it's Iris's bedtime. And so then I put Iris to bed and then I get a brief period of time where usually I'm the one responsible for Isaac in general. And then it's almost shortly after that, his bedtime. And then after his bedtime is over, I try to spend a little bit of time with Lace, at least a little bit every day. And then I finally, around 9.30, get some time to myself. But usually, unlike, let's say Lace is having a bad day, it starts first thing in the morning where I've woken up by the dog and I have to get the dog fed and outside. I have to get the kids dressed and together. And it's just the entire day. The first break I get is usually about 9.30 p.m., sometimes 10. And at that point, the night's almost over. How long should I stay up to try and win back some of that relaxed time? And there's a term for it. I, I wish I could remember what it is. You end up staying up later and doing less than you should because you're trying to regain some form of control over your day. And what all you're doing is making your next day more difficult by staying up even later. And then it just snowballs into this. You're like, I'm going to regain control. I'm going to regain some relaxation by staying up till 2 a.m. and doing nothing. But you're not getting any enjoyment out of that. And so it just, it makes you feel bad. And then you wake up and you feel worse because you haven't slept as much. And it just snowballs very quickly. So I've been trying to do better about that. I want to ask about cooking. Lacey, when you have the energy, what are your feelings about preparing food? I really don't mind it. I've actually gotten a lot better, I would say, in the past three or four weeks where it's like I go down and I'll try to get a meal started so that by the time Joe gets home, it's to a place where it's either ready or I can be like, hey, can you do these few steps? And then we're all set. I would say generally three days. I think about I've been averaging about three days a week doing that. Yeah, two or three days. It depends yeah. on the week. It depends yeah. on the day. And so usually when I feel fine and what I've I've noticed for me that if I can sit down and think, okay, like a meatloaf, for example, I'm like, okay, I can make the meatloaf and put it in the fridge any point during the day. Okay, I can... Uh, peel the potatoes and they can sit for a little bit during the day. Like when I can parse out the different pieces of I can really pace these throughout my day, I I do tend to do it and do well. It's just so dependent on my energy, which is not consistent. Yeah. 
It's also been beneficial that fairly recently I started putting when so when I make a grocery list, I started putting together a list of the dinners that we have the food for on hand. And so in that same list app where we actually put groceries that we need, I made a, a list of dinners that we have the food on hand for. So like hamburgers, meatloaf, pizza, pasta, like all that kind of stuff. And so it's been more convenient to go and you can see, oh, we still have the food left for this. Mm -hmm. I don't always keep it up to date. It's been nice to be able to see, oh yeah, we have the right stuff so that we can make like biscuits and gravy if we want to have a breakfast dinner kind of thing. And then every once in a while when I get my manifest or weird energy and it was like, we're going to, I'm going to make a shepherd's pie. We have everything for a shepherd's pie. I'm going to make a shepherd's pie. And I did. And when you're doing the dishes at night, Joe, are those dishes from meal prep? What's the bulk of the dishes? Are you preparing a meal every night and you have all those dishes plus the it, dishes you eat off of? It, it depends on who cooks. If Lace cooks, I'm cleaning everything that was ever used in the kitchen that day. If, if I cook, usually I'm just cleaning the remnants of dinner and maybe the occasional meal meal prepping you like utensil or something i i'm a clean as you cook okay, kind okay. of person and lace is not i just um, i love again i love how you two fit together it's when lacy doesn't have the energy then joe actually has less dishes but when lacy gets energy to make the food is like then joe doesn't have to make the food but then joe has more dishes it's that is like, exactly how it that's goes that's kind of yes. interesting do you want to jump into the whole toy situation? We probably need to talk through it okay. first. But the toys is a definite need to fix. When I heard you talking about the toys, I I heard that you said the toys are scattered over the living room. But then when we were talking about your house. You said there is actually a toy area. Is Am I led to believe they're taking the toys out of the toy area and playing with them in the living room? Is that correct? They're playing so with the, them in both rooms. We're playing with them anywhere now, that they to, want. To be fair, the dividing space between the playroom and the living room is a like a two-foot piece of wall. The <laughs> rooms are connected. It, there's not really anything dividing them. It's it's not even like a door frame. It, it's wide open. That's, yes. What's what's in the toy room inevitably ends up in the living room. And the dining room. And and the dining room, true. And sometimes the kitchen. And the kitchen. Yeah. yeah they travel with and the toys. that's what kids do and that is great. And in theory, if all the toys were back in the toy room, would yep. they all fit in there? Yes. Okay. <laughs> what? That's I a mean, period they... for Joe and a question mark for Lacey. <laughs> well, as, as someone as someone who cleans up that room fairly often, yes, they do all fit. They fit in there, but they don't fit well, but they fit. It it is, in my opinion, it is not a usable space. It, it's not every single surface being completely filled is not ideal in my it is not an ideal space it is a usable space it is not an ideal space so the main table and literally the entire train table on top is filled with toys filled with toys like and so they can't use the train table two feet high but they didn't use the train table when it was empty they stood on it and pulled toys up onto it that was what they did they never played with the table so what I'm hearing from that conversation is am I led to believe the kids do not have clarity on where to put the toys back Yes. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So toys don't have a def don't have a defined. They did, and then those defined homes got dumped out every time because those defined homes did not have lids. And then, yeah, we do have some boxes with lids now, but every time we try to use them, they 
or like, oh, a box with a lid. Let's open it and dump the toys out. Specifically, that's what Iris asks to do. Yeah. It's actually, I think it's funny. Joe does not get the enjoyment out of it that I do. I wonder why. And, and the time flow, if I go back to our previous conversation, you said after dinner, it's Iris's time, bedtime, or do you play a little bit after dinner? I, I try to give her some time to play before bed because I, I don't want her to go straight from dinner to bedtime. But usually okay. it's only like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah, a lot of times it's 10, 15 minutes tops. Yeah, because uh, they'll get home around 5.30. We usually eat dinner somewhere between 6 and 6.30. Yep. We sit at the dinner table for a very we sit, long time. We sit for a while. All of us at yeah. the table. And so then her bedtime's between 7 and 7.30. And so by that time, we try to give her a little bit of time to run around. I heard a couple of things that I want to utilize. You said the kids love having tasks. They feel very fulfilled when they do something. You said you have a very strong bedtime routine that you do the same every night. Those are all great things to build off of. And what I'm thinking is if we can come up with a clearer system for them to pick up and it becomes a routine that after bed, you anchor the picking up to some other established routine. So you anchor the picking up after dinner, when mom and dad are finishing clearing up, Iris gets to play. And then right before it's time to go upstairs to start bedtime, Iris and um, Isaac maybe help pick up Iris's toys together. Because I'm assuming Isaac gets to keep playing when Iris goes to bed. Is that true? Yeah. Yeah, it's usually where he gets his more like one-on-one -on -one time with us. So if it just becomes a routine and then it, this is a positive reinforcement of, oh, here's a new system. We're going to put this into this. And we're in coming up with a an easier pickup system for them where they they don't have to guess where things go or try to walk over something to get something else. And in order to do that, how would you feel about taking 50% of the toys, putting them in clear totes and rotating them? So you take those totes to the basement because kids love novelty. The fewer the toys, the more they'll actually play with them. And I didn't just make this up. I've actually had ch childhood specialists say this numerous times. No and then the novelty. I love on a rainy day or the not great weather or if a kid is homesick, you go into the basement and you get one of those totes. And those toys are, they might as well be brand new to them. They're like, oh, where have you been my whole life? <laughs> Not knowing it was just out of sight for three months. Like it's great because and you so the basement you said is fair game, right? I've tried this before. <laughs> the reason why we're giggling the is toy rotation. Tried. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah, great. It fell, what it happened? Fell apart though. Tell One, me, tell me about that. They're open on top, and that does seem to be a problem because it. <laughs> Iris seems to thrive on chaos sometimes. <laughs> and so one of her favorite things to do is anything that's organized to undo said organization. She is she is entropy in that she just loves chaos and she is always moving to that state <laughs> of things being not organized. Okay, that's a little she too. Yeah, but specific. So he never used to just see toys that were put away nice and neat and go, I must take yes, everything that's neatly put away and dump it. No, he, he would dump did. what he wanted to play with. No, he just he dumps everything. Uh, so what ended up happening is I did not keep up with the system. I did it on a whim by myself. And then I was like, and we've got these bins and we can move them down and bring them back up. 
And then my energy stopped going into it. And Joe was like, whatever. And it just ended. Yeah, I was focused on other stuff. So I just let the toy thing go. So a couple of things. I'm glad to hear that you already tried it so we can recognize what didn't work. Instead of thinking of I'm going to rotate them on a regular basis, just if it's a rainy day, we're stuck at home, they're seeming particularly bored. That's when you ask Joe to go get that other bin and you immediately take the other toys and put some other toys back in there. So it's more of a we don't do this in three months, but we bring up the basement toys when we need them. And then the second thing is, I'm hearing what you're saying about Iris loving to dump things out, and that's a total kid thing to do. You also mentioned that Iris is the police unit in the house. She loves policing others. Policing everyone except for herself, yes. But I'm wondering if you told Iris about this new picking up your toys rule. Let her dump them out. Who the heck cares? Awesome. Cut that number in half. If you have a bin that has a doesn't have a lid, and I actually advise not having a lid because then it's going to be easier to put stuff back in if there's not a lid. So if a bin has 100 items in it and she's going to dump that bad boy out, cut it down to 20 items in that bin, let her dump them out, and then let her count to 20 when she puts them all back in before she goes to bed. If it's too much, reduce it reduce the number of toys, they will be fine. (laughs) They will be fine. They're not leaving the house. You're not throwing them away. You're putting them in the basement. And it's a manageable amount, clarity for the kids of where it goes. And then you start the new system. We have talked about how Iris learned to put the socks back in the hamper because Isaac was doing it. She clearly is capable, right? She's already shown that. Yeah. She's already shown that. But I'm wondering if there is not clarity. And I know you said you already tried it. How long were you trying that system? My manifestor energy is, I get an idea. Let's do this. And then usually I run with it by myself. I don't get everybody on board. And then it dies. So really, I think it has more to do with that than it does. Because sometimes I, I have to get Joe on board with me. Once he's on board, we can, can do it. But if I don't get Joe on board, then it usually dies because my energy and care about it dies. I'm going to come up with some ideas and then we can revisit and then we'll just revisit this. Yeah. Yeah. We got a lot of we got a lot of good nuggets to chew on. We do. I think so. We are now at the moment of gratitude section of our podcast, and this will be an ode to coffee. I have read, I read a lot of articles and listen to a lot of different aspects of people saying, oh, you shouldn't be addicted to coffee. You should try to go without it for a couple of weeks, reintroduce it, all these things, yada, yada, yada. No, thank you. I, my ode to coffee, it that river runs so deep. When I go camping, the only thing I care about is the coffee. How are we making the coffee? Where's the coffee? The coffee. And this morning, was especially moment of gratitude because my husband actually put a cup of coffee next to the bed for me. So when I woke up, it oh, was- an- what a showing of love. And like my heart just fluttered at that. <laughs> I saw it on your face. I know. It doesn't, it's not like I, it's not, I'm not, I'm not the queen of England. God rest her soul. It's not that it happens every morning. And just, so when it does happen, it is really nice. So to be able to roll over and just pick up that cup of coffee and it was like, I love you, coffee, and I love you, husband, for bringing me the coffee. (laughs) I love that. So, Lacey, what is your moment of gratitude for today? My bed 
is the best bed in the whole world. I am so grateful for my bed. I had a really rough weekend. I had a big crash, which for me just means basically I lose all my energy and I lay in bed and listen to books and audiobooks so that I don't go horrifically crazy without. And I had this moment this weekend where I'm just like, oh, I love my bed so much. I'm so thankful for it. I am thankful for the energy that it puts back in me, the fact that it just hugs me when I lay down. I also love when my kids come in and talk to me. Iris has gotten a lot better about getting into bed with me and talking to me. Like on Sunday, she did that. I have no idea what she was talking about, but she was chatting up a storm to me. It was so funny. And I just was like, oh, I'm so thankful for this bed and the support that it gives me day to day. I wholeheartedly appreciate it. Now, I'm curious, is it a specific brand that you adore or is it just the bed in general? It's just the bed in general. We got this particular bed when I was pregnant with Isaac and we got a king size, which Joe and I were both really excited about. The bigger the bed, the better. I love my husband so much, as you all heard, but if he could just not touch me at night because I don't want to be sweaty, great. Thank you. We have a Indy. Our dog is 80 something pounds and he likes to get in there with us. And then when I was pregnant with Isaac, we were both like, there's no way a kid's not going to be in this bed with us. So we wanted to get it as big as possible. And honestly, we just went with the one Joe wanted. (laughs) Because he likes a firmer mattress. I like a softer mattress. And in my mind, I can add things to make it softer. So like pillow tops and that kind of thing. And so that's what we did. In my dream world, it would be a reclining bed. In my mind, I have a plan for my next bed. Basically, because I live most of my life in my bed. And I say that happily. I don't want anyone to feel like, oh, man, no, my bed's my favorite place in the world. So... There's one thing that I'm grateful that I have a chronic illness, that being in my bed is restorative and I get to be in my bed. (laughs) I'm thankful for all of those things. Oh, can we start a campaign? You know how sometimes you get like a movement from the people that actually influences a company? I want to start a campaign. I think it maybe is the sleep number bed where the two actually go up and down independently. And then you could, that's my dream one. They go up and down independently. Then you can also customize side by side independently. Just, and then I think they have a new one because both Joe and I are hot sleepers. So if they have one that's supposed to be cooling you too, if I could have all of that, I would get sleep number tattooed across my chest because it would mean. (laughs) Okay. Okay. So hashtag bed for Lacey (laughs) at sleep number. What if maybe we'll start a movement for people with chronic illness? You know how they have like different discounts. They should have, Mm -hmm. if you can send in a note from your doctor of a chronic illness, you get a discount on the bed Uh, because you live in your bed and then you would become the biggest advocate for that bed. When I'm passionate about something, have you heard me talk about my shower chair? My $19 shower chair from Amazon that I have written blogs about. Hashtag bed for Lacey at sleep number. Love it. I would love nothing more. Absolutely. Power (laughs) of the people. Power of the people. Let's make a difference in Lacey's world. (laughs) I mean, they already do if they listen. (laughs) Yes. Let's make a bed difference in Lacey's (laughs) world. Oh, thank you so much, Sarah. This has made my day. Thank you, Lacey. 
Thanks for listening to No Shame in the Home Game. We hope you can take a little nugget to use in your own home. Remember to subscribe to the podcast in your player of choice, like us on social media, rate and review, and share with all of your friends. You can always visit joyfulsupportmovement.com to learn more about No Shame in the Home Game and the other Joyful Support podcasts. While you're there, you can join the newsletter or sign up for the Joyful Support Village. Now go out there and spread joy. Thank you.